0: How would you like to do church like Jesus did? Over the past few years, we've learned that church can happen in a very meaningful way outside of a church building. In fact, we're getting raving reviews from our house churches, which are now over 100. Though I thank God for churches in buildings and on campuses, God is leading more and more people these days to gather for church in their homes. Not only is it easier for many people to attend a house church, but a house church can offer a level of community that campuses can't. Well, I'm excited to announce that every Thursday in December and January, I plan to host a house church interest meeting on Zoom at 5 o'clock p.m. Pacific time. If you're not attending a church right now and are interested, or if you know of anyone who's interested, then all they have to do is email us at hcinfo at solidlives.com or click the link in the description of this video. Okay, now let me welcome you to the New Testament Daily with Jerry Deerman, where we read and talk through a chapter of the New Testament every day. I'm glad you're here because reading God's Word daily will change your life. I'd appreciate it if you'd help others find this resource by sharing the link, and if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel. Okay, now let's pray and we'll jump into God's Word. Father, thank you for the word of God. Thank you that it's inspired. I pray that each person watching or listening today will hear what you have to say to them through your word. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, here we go. Luke chapter 10. Here's what it says. After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others. So he's already sent 12 disciples. It says he sent, appointed 70 others also. And sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. Notice, he sent the 70 two by two, excuse me, into every place, cities, towns, villages, and such, where he was about to go. So, what was happening? They were, in a sense, preparing for him to come. They were preaching the gospel, sort of like John the Baptist, preaching. Uh, helping the hearts to be conditioned, people hearing about Jesus. And then when he shows up, you know, people are coming with faith because they've been hearing the preaching from the disciples. So it says where he himself was about to go. Then he said to them, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Interesting, into his harvest. Well, if it's his harvest, why doesn't he just send them? Well, because he wants us to take responsibility as human beings in his image and likeness on the earth. And he wants us to pray and to call on the Lord to do these things. He wants us to take leadership. It's interesting when you read the Bible and you realize that God wants us to be involved in leadership. And he, he wants to take cues from us. Now, that doesn't mean that we're supposed to become God and he's our servant. No, of course not. He's God. But according to his word, according to his will, according to his assignment on each of our lives, he wants us to take responsibility for that assignment and to own it and to begin to pray according to his will and call on him step by step, scenario by scenario to do what he promised and said he wants to do. So he said, you pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Verse three, go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves, carry neither money bag, knapsack, nor sandals and greet no one along the road. But whatever house you enter first, say peace to this house. So notice he's sending them out and He said, whatever house you enter, in other words, if people are welcoming you into a home to hear the gospel and such, say peace to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on it. In other words, if somebody's there that's willing to listen to the gospel, hungry to hear the message of the kingdom of God, then your peace that you declared on that home will settle there on that home your peace will rest on it. And if not, if there's not a person of peace there, it will return to you and remain in the same house, eating and drinking such things as they give. In other words, you're there to reach the whole city, but start from that house. Don't just go to different houses sharing the gospel. No, stay in that home. Why? Because people need to be discipled. And that person of peace, so to speak, and maybe family of peace, that person of peace after you leave, will be able to continue to reach that village, that city and such. But you need to disciple them. Stay there and minister, continue to minister to that family in person and continue to minister from that home. Let that home become known in the community as a home where people can learn about the kingdom of God. See, so Jesus is teaching some important things here. Do not go from house to house. Whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat such things as are set before you and heal the sick there. Jesus is very emphatic. I want you to not just preach. I want you to heal the sick there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whatever city you enter and they do not receive you, go out into the streets and say, the very dust of your city which clings to us, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near you. But I say to you that it will be more tolerable in the day in that day, and it's capital D day in this translation, talking about the day of the Lord, the end times, when Jesus comes the second time to judge. He says, uh, But I say to you uh, about a city that won't receive you, or the gospel, but I say to you that it will be more tolerable in that day for Sodom then for that city well what is sodom sodom and gomorrah were cities that were destroyed by god because of the perversion that was in those cities sexual perversion specifically verse 13 woe to you chorazin or Chorazin. Woe to you Bethsaida for if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon they would have repented long ago sitting in sackcloth and ashes. In other words very humbly but it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you and you Capernaum which became Jesus' hometown after he moved from Nazareth and you Capernaum who are exalted to heaven will be brought down to Hades. He who hears you Here's me. He who rejects you rejects me, and he who rejects me rejects him who sent me. Then the 70 returned after they'd been sent out two by two and they ministered. Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Even the demons, not just the demons, but even the demons. Sickness and disease are subject. Them in his name. Jesus rebuked the winds and the waves and such, the very elements would be subject to them in his name. And so they said, Even the demons are subject to us in your name. Verse 18, and he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. In other words, well, I know that. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Verse 19, listen to this verse Behold, behold means see this. See this. I want you to see this. I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. He said, see this, I give you the authority, not just some authority, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions. Now, uh, could that literally be snakes and scorpions? Well, yes, but Because he says, and over all the power of the enemy, then we believe, I believe that serpents and scorpions are types. Yes, we do have authority over animals as well, but these are types of demonic spirits. Types of demonic spirits. I won't go into why all I believe that, but I think uh, it's pretty clear. And uh, I'm not alone in that belief. But he says clearly, and over all the power of the enemy. So you know this is talking about Satan because the verse right right before said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Notice trample, not just barely overcome the devil and barely overcome demons. No, I give you the authority to trample On them and to trample on all the power of the enemy. Satan is no match for a born again believer who knows his or her authority in the name of Jesus. Verse 20 Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Eternal life is uh, something to boast about and to rejoice about much more than, you know, having authority over Satan and demons. Verse 21, in that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for it seemed good in your sight. So he's so thankful that you don't have to be uh, some educated person with a phd to understand these things he said lord you've revealed these to babes to people that they're really not uh, all that extra smart smart by human standards or educated but boy you've revealed it to them god wants everybody to know about these things verse 22 Jesus goes on to say all things have been delivered to me by my father and no one knows who the son is except the father and who the father is except the son and the one to whom the son wills or desires to reveal him. Verse 23, then he turned his face and excuse me, then he turned to his disciples and said privately, blessed are the eyes which see the things you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to see what you see and have not seen it and to hear what you hear and have not heard it. And behold, uh, verse 25, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? It's a great question. And he, Jesus said to him, what is written in the law? What is your reading of it? Well, this is a Jewish person, so he knows what the, the law says. We'd call it the Old Testament, but it's the only Bible they had. Verse 27, so the man answered, he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered rightly. Do this, and you will live. In other words, if you really love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength, then you'll have eternal life. But he, the man wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And who is my neighbor? So Jesus answered because he gave two commandments there, uh, love God and love your neighbor. came where he was, and when he saw him, had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged, bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine. And he set him on his own animal, brought him to the inn, and took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, or denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among thieves? And he said, he who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Very interesting that the man said, who's my neighbor wanting to justify himself? And Jesus tells this story about a Levite, about a priest, about people that you would think would help somebody who had fallen among thieves and was wounded and such, but they didn't. But a Samaritan whom the Jews think are, you know, just, you know, in the same category as a dog, uh, uh, they're not in the same covenant believed, uh, and they weren't, uh, as the Jewish people. And so, but the Samaritan was the one that helped. And so Jesus said, which one was the one that was the neighbor? And he said, well, the one that showed mercy, the Samaritan. Couldn't even say who he was. The one who showed mercy, Jesus said, go do likewise. Notice several things. Obviously, there's uh, the example of us reaching out, loving taking time for people that are in need and such. But the fact that the man was a Samaritan, Jesus is showing, look, uh, being Jewish is not the key. It's having love and care for other people, that's the key. What's also interesting to note is the man said, who's my neighbor? And then Jesus answered the question saying, which of them was the neighbor to the man that was hurting? So he didn't really answer who's the neighbor. Uh, Jesus really answered this way, you're the neighbor. You're the neighbor. You be neighborly to other people. Don't wait to figure out who's my neighbor. Who do I have to love and who, who do I not have to love? No, he said, you be the loving neighbor. And when somebody's in need, love them. Let me just run back through this quickly, because I think this is also a parable of the whole existence or the whole gospel. And let me show it to you quickly. Uh, In verse 30, Jesus answered, said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. I I also think this is a parable of, of mankind or Adam because Adam was like in Jerusalem. This is the city of God, right? But he ended up in, uh, this man ended up in Jericho. Adam went from the Garden of Eden to being cast out of the garden. Well, what happened? He went from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves. Well, remember the serpent came in, whom we know was the devil coming in, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Interesting that Adam, uh, though he didn't physically die immediately, he eventually physically died, but spiritually he was disconnected from God. Spiritually he died. He was half dead, spiritually dead, but physically still alive when Satan got done with him there in the Garden of Eden, but stripped him of his clothing. There's his provision, his prosperity, and such wounded him. There's his health. See, before the fall of a man with sin, there was complete health, complete provision, and spiritual life with God, but... See, now all of a sudden he's half dead, spiritually dead, but physically still alive. He's wounded. He's, uh, his body is now dying and decaying every day, aging, and, uh, lost his, lost his provision in the Garden of Eden and such. And so I think this has to do also. There's a, a sort of a secondary Uh, message in here. But notice verse 31. Now by chance, a certain priest came down that road. And when he saw me pass by on the other side, likewise a Levite. So now we've got a priest. We got a Levite. In other words, the Old Testament law that came. Do not do this. You shall do this and all that. And guess what? Didn't help the man. And the book of Romans tells us that by the law, no one can be justified can't help this person in, in their condition. But it goes on to say, and I know I understand this is a secondary look, but watch this. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. What's a Samaritan? A person from another place. And who came from another place? Well, the Lord Jesus came from another place. He was in heaven. And he came from another place, and he journeyed down here to the earth. As he journeyed, came where he was came where the, the wounded human beings were, came where he was. And when he saw him, had compassion. Well, certainly that's Jesus uh, uh, that has compassion. So he went and bandaged his wounds. Jesus came healing, didn't he? Bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Oil and wine are, are types of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Oil in uh, the new birth, wine in the fullness of the Spirit, pouring on oil and wine. And Jesus certainly came to bring the new birth and the fullness of the Spirit And he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, or denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. Well, interesting that a denarii is a day's wages. Peter brings out in his writings... He said uh, to the Lord, a thousand years is as a day and a day is as a thousand years. So I think that is just, you know, it, uh, it doesn't say it in the text, but I'm just bringing something interesting out that he gave him two denarii, two days wages and said, whatever more you spend when I come again. When I come again, he said, well, Jesus is coming back, isn't he? But notice a day's wages. Well, if you, if you just apply what Peter said to the Lord, a day is as a thousand years. Well, two days wages then uh, could be as 2,000 years. And when I come again, if there's any more that you need, I will repay you. So which of these do you think was neighbor to him who fell among thieves? So I think that this also has a secondary look in it. It's not the primary, but it's the secondary look that tells us about Jesus. And though the law could not save us, Jesus came from heaven, praise God, down to the earth, and he saved us. But I also think there there might be a hint here that it'll be roughly about 2,000 years until Jesus comes back, and time will tell. Verse 37, uh, and... So Jesus said who who uh well no let's come down now to verse 38. Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus feet. That word also means Martha loved to sit at Jesus feet and hear the word. She wasn't just a busybody who did, didn't love the word of God, but she felt responsible for the people that were in the home. And so it says she also sat at Jesus' feet and heard the word. But Martha was distracted from sitting at Jesus' feet. Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, You are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. This is so powerful. Martha and Mary both love to sit at Jesus' feet. But with all the people that were in there hearing, Martha realized, man, we're going to have to feed these people. I need to get up and I need to get lunch ready, so to speak. But Mary just stayed right there at the feet of Jesus. And Martha's thinking, Mary's being lazy now. She's not taking responsibility. These people are in our home. And Jesus said, Martha, you're troubled and you're worried about many things. And the Bible says she was distracted, distracted. How many of us are distracted away from the word of God? We just have so many things to do. So we're distracted. But he said, Martha, you're you're worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. And Mary, you notice, has chosen that good part. She didn't just happen to be sitting there and forgot to serve. No, she chose not to be distracted. She chose not to get up and prepare the meal. She chose, I've got to sit here and listen to the teaching of the word from Jesus. I need to do it. She chose it. So Jesus said, one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. When you choose, like you're doing right now, here you are watching, we're in the Word of God. When you choose the Word, set things aside, delay certain things, choose the Word of God. Then Jesus said, because you're deliberate, because you're intentional, because you're making decisions that sacrifice what you could be doing, then this good part, the word of God and the revelation, the voice of God that will speak to you through the word will not be taken away from you. That relates to Mark chapter four, where some seed fell by the wayside, but the enemy came and took it away. See, if we'll choose to grab onto that word and stay with it, it won't be taken away. Isn't that a good insight aren't you glad you're in God's word today let's continue to give attention to the word of God all right that's chapter 10 i'll see you tomorrow for chapter 11
1: thank you for joining us for the new testament daily with Jerry Dearman and thank you to those of you who have partnered with solid lives to help get this daily podcast and other resources like it to thousands of people around the world if you would like to partner with solid lives visit solidlives.com/give